Good morning. Let's call upon his name. Father God, we thank you that you're here this morning. You've been moving throughout this morning in both sanctuary here in the auditorium. Father God, we thank you that you're a good God, that you love us so much, that you gave your only son, and that you came to offer us healing. You came to offer us wholeness. You came to offer us abundant life, life full of joy, peace, purpose, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Father God, I thank you for the healings and the deliverances you've already done in people's lives today. And I pray you would continue your mighty work and, and all of this for your glory, that you would become more famous. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. We continue to, we're going to wrap up our sermon series on prayer, and it's excited to be here preaching today because prayer has been the, the catalyst of everything that God's done in Mount Horeb. We, a prayer-driven church is one of our core values. I meet weekly with about 60, 70, 80 men to pray every Friday morning. Uh, you come join us at 6.45 a.m., but we, we prayed for this service. We, we prayed for those who would be involved in this service. We, we prayed that God would do a mighty work in the service, and that's been our catalyst from day one. And so today we're going to focus on prayer. We're going to focus on, on praying to the God who, who sees us, who knows everything about us, everything. Nothing is hidden from God. And despite what he knows about us, he loves us. And he offers us forgiveness and grace and mercy and new life and purpose. We're going to pray to the God who is our shepherd who guides us, who protects us, who provides for us. The shepherd who knows our voices. You're not a stranger to God. You may not have spoken to God for a while, but you're not a stranger to him. We're going to pray to the God who is most high, that the God that we worship, Jehovah, Almighty God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, is above any other God that is worshiped on the earth. We worship the one true God. That's who we pray to this morning. As we wrap up this series, we're going to look at one final name for God. The Old Testament reveals that the God who heals name is called Jehovah Rapa. Say Rapa with me. Not God Rap, but God Rapa. Rapa. It's a Hebrew word, and it means to heal, to cure, to restore, or to make whole. That's the God that we serve. God wants to, to restore and make whole. We find this word in Exodus chapter 15, early in the Old Testament, beginning with verse 20. I'll read it to you. Then Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. When they came to the oasis of Merah, the water was too bitter to drink. So they called the place Mara, or Mara, which means bitter, bitter. Now today you may have come here bitter. The God who heals, the God who restores, is here for you. Because they were bitter, the water was bitter, then the people complained. Now if you're a complainer, God is here for you. He wants to change your heart. They complained and turned against Moses. 
What are we going to drink, they demanded. So Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water, and this made the water good to drink. It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. He said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping all his decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians for I am the Lord who heals you. I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. And after leaving Marah, the Israelites traveled onto the oasis of Elam, where they found 12 springs and 70 palm trees, and they camped there beside the waters. Now, the backstory here is God has delivered his people out of Egypt, out of 400 years of captivity, of slavery. He's led them across the Red Sea, parted the waters, provided miracle after miracle. And the first time they run into some difficulty with some water that is bitter, they expose themselves that they're really bitter people. They're just bitter inside. Now, let's give them a little bit of consideration. They've been in slavery for 400 years. You may be bitter here today, but I doubt you have been in slavery for 400 years. 400 years of resentment built up in their mind, in their hearts, probably against God and against their leaders. Why did you let us get into this situation? Even though God had delivered them, they still had a bitterness about them. And I would say to you this morning that if you have bitterness in your heart, God wants to bring healing for that. He wants to bring the power of forgiveness for you here today. You know, if, if you don't let go of your bitterness, if you hold on to your resentment, you're going to be quick to be a complainer. You're, you're going to have a critical spirit. You're going to be a prisoner of the past. You're going to find yourself in conflict with others and with God and his purposes and I find it interesting that Moses here, instead of debating and arguing with the complainers, he cries out to God. And sometimes we've got to do that. Sometimes we've been listening to someone complain and be bitter, and we just got to cry out to God. Stop the debating, stop the arguing, and just say, God, I need your help with this situation. And what does God do? God provided some help. He showed Moses a stick of wood. A, something simple, a stick of wood, and he says, throw it into the water, and the water becomes sweet. I believe today that God wants to bring sweetness into somebody's life, to take away the bitterness that you've been holding on to, or the resentment. But there's some instruction here in this text, uh, standards of faithfulness that God gives to the people. He says, listen carefully to the voice of God. Usually when we are full of bitterness or anger or resentment, we stop listening to the voice of God. And we start listening to the voices of those around us. Perhaps those who have harmed us. Those who have hurt us. 
And we let that voice be louder than God's voice. Listen carefully to the voice of God. Do what is right in his sight. I tell many people this simple advice. When somebody has harmed you, don't get in the gutter with them. Do what is right in the sight of God. Stay on the high road. Stay on the high road. And then he says, obey his commands and keep his decrees. You know, we live in a world where we are chasing what is right in the sight of the world. What is right in the sight of the culture. What is right in the sight of popularity. And God says, do what is right in my sight. I am Jehovah Rapha and I will heal you. Now, I think it's interesting to note also here that the promise is not to individuals, but to the nation, to the people. And so as we hear these decrees and hear this call for healing, God begins with the people. And I believe that God is working here this morning within our church. And I'm praying for healing for our church, but I'm also praying healing for our land, healing for our nations. You know, God, before God heals people, he heals the water. And then he heals the land, and then he heals the nation. And I don't know why you came today. It's interesting, the story I already heard in my, my healing station, we prayed for people over here. People came with, with different reasons here this morning at nine o'clock. But if you've come here and, and, and you're feeling good about where you are in life, and that's a good place to be, I want you to carry a burden for our nation, that God will bring healing to our land. I want you to pray for our leaders in this city, in this town, in this state, in this community, in this country, that God will bring healing and, and take away the bitterness, take away the strife that is, that is, that is gripping this, this nation of ours. So Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals, the Lord who makes whole, is revealed in the Old Testament. The God who heals in the New Testament is revealed as Jesus. Now, this Jesus is the same as the God who heals in the Old Testament. He, it, it is, Jesus is, is the incarnation of God. We believe in that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, revealed in Jesus Christ, God's Son. And, and, and we believe he's called the great physician. And we see that throughout his ministry, he did miracles. And he declares in Luke chapter four, these words, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. My friends, if we will obey the decrees of God, the time for God's favor has come. God wants to bless you in this room. Bless you to be the person. Bless your marriage. Bless your family. God desires to do that. But he wants us to humble ourselves before him. And come to him. And submit to his ways. Not our ways. He goes on to say in verse 23, then he said, you will undoubtedly quote me this proverb, physician, heal yourself, meaning 
do miracles here in your hometown like, you, like those you did in Capernaum. Jesus used the word physician as a parable for himself. Now, the Greek version of Jehovah Rapha is the, is the, is the Greek word Iomi, Iomi, and it means deliverance from death. Jesus went about bringing deliverance from death, from demons, from sickness, and sin. It also means to be restored and to make whole. And in the Gospels, we have at least 37 miracles that Jesus performed, many of them miracles of healing. Iomi, deliverance from death, from demons, from sickness, restoring people and making them whole. But there are many, many, many other accounts it tells us in scripture that were not recorded. Jesus moved in mighty ways and Jesus has been moving in the church throughout the beginning over the last 2,000 years. Remember that piece of wood that God showed to Moses and said, pick it up and throw it into the water and the bitter water became sweet water. If you remember back into the very beginning of the Bible, it was a piece of wood. It was a tree they got us all in trouble. It was a tree that got us in trouble in the Garden of Eden. Don't forget that stick because it was a tree, it was a piece of wood that Jesus came to be nailed upon to, to die for our sins, to, to pay the penalty and become our healer. You know, I'm so grateful that today as we have these healing stations, I don't have to find a piece of wood to throw in some water. I can look to the cross. And I can claim the power of the cross. I love what uh, Isaiah said in 53, 5. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. And Peter declares this in chapter 2, verse 24. He himself, Jesus, bore our sins in his body. Where? On the tree. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness Say it with me, by his wounds, you have been healed. And one of the things I shared this morning, the Lord laid on my heart early this morning, is that when God moves in a miraculous way and, and brings some sort of miraculous healing, it is for his glory. It is for people to know more about him. We get the benefit of it. We get to celebrate it, but it points people to the power of God, that God is the one who heals. I don't, I'm not a healer. God's a healer. Amen. These people that will pray for you this morning, they're not healers, but we're praying to the one who is a healer, who has the power to heal. And I believe in a world that is growing more and more secular, that God is going to manifest more and more miracles to reveal his power, to convince those who are convinced that there is no God, that there is a God. And there's no explanation what happened because God revealed his power in a mighty and a fresh and a new way. Now, as you move into this conversation of healing, let me give you something real quickly. How does God heal? Now, I believe there are three ways that God heals. I believe that God heals suddenly, instantly. He can touch someone. He can move in someone. He can deliver someone suddenly, instantly. Also, I believe that a lot of times God heals gradually in, 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 a, in a process. Uh, Isaiah 41, 13, for I hold you by your right hand. I, the Lord, your God, 
Don't be afraid. I'm here to help you. When God heals us gradually, he, he holds on to us. When, when the pain becomes too much, God becomes more than enough. His grace is sufficient for our hurts and our pains. I love the lyrics from the Casting Crown songs. Your world is not falling apart. It's falling into place. Because God is with you, holding on to you. Someone came this morning for prayer and they shared with me that their life was falling apart and they had the trifecta. They said, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm falling apart physically. I'm struggling with depression. And so I feel like I'm really far away from God. And, and the Lord, as I prayed over her, I said, Lord, convince her, help her to know, help her to believe that you're holding her right now. And God gave me the picture of, of Jesus walking on the seashore with those footprints where there was no longer two sets of footprints, but one set of footprints. And that God was holding on to her and he hadn't forgot her name. He knew where she was and knew who she was. God heals us gradually. He also holds us and when he holds us, he hears us. I love what Romans says is that Jesus is at the right hand of God interceding for us. He knows your name. He knows your problem. He knows your pain. He knows your situation. He knows your struggle. And he's interceding for you. So God, he'll suddenly, gradually, and ultimately in resurrection, in eternal life. Revelation says it this way. Then he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there'll be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Can I get an amen to that? That is our hope as believers. That God ultimately heals those who trust in him in everlasting life. So my final big rock today is the God who heals is our ultimate hope. Our ultimate hope is in the God who heals. Help is found in the natural, but our ultimate and eternal hope is found in the supernatural. I love that God used a stick, something natural, to take bitter water and make it sweet water. Help can be found, healing can be found in the natural. And, and, and healing can be found in the hard work that we need to do. That God would convict us that, hey, Jeff, you need to eat better. Jeff, you need to exercise. There are many in this room that have found help through the hard ways. There are some in this room that have gone through chemotherapy because your doctor said this will help you be healed. Some in this room have had a heart cath and, you, and they've gone in and, and, and removed a blockage from your heart. God has moved in a mighty way, in a miraculous way. Others of you have gone to a counselor, and a counselor have given you, has given you hard assignments, hard work to do, and you've worked on your marriage. You've worked on your relationships. You've worked on things. So there, there is hard work involved in healing. I love, remember the story where these four men had a friend who was paralyzed, and they, and they picked him up, and they carried him to a house where Jesus was healing people? And it was so crowded they couldn't get in the house, so they went up on the roof, carried their friend up on the roof, and they cut a hole in the ceiling, and they lowered their friend down into the space so he could be healed. That's hard work. The hard work of healing, the natural work. Remember the woman who Jesus talked about had a bleeding issue, and, and there was such a crowd of people around Jesus that she couldn't get to him, so she pushed through the crowd, the hard work, and she touched the hem of his garment. And she was healed. 
There's some things that we need to be doing, and then there's things that only God can do in supernatural ways. So what is our response this morning? How do we prepare our hearts for what God is about to do? Let me ask you to do these things this morning as we get ready to have times for prayer, for healing. First of all, and we've been doing this through our worship this morning, is confess our love for God. Will you confess that you love God this morning? God, I love you. Just, just say it out loud. God, I love you. Can I hear you? I can't hear you. Say it to him. Look up to him. God, I love you. God, I love you. Uh, help me to love you with my heart, my whole heart, my mind, my soul, everything about me. And then the second response is we got to confess our sins. Everybody in this room is a sinner. Everybody in this room has failed. And the Bible tells us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. There is absolute healing of your sins when you confess them to God. Can I get an amen to that? There's not a sin in this room that God will not take away in an instant. That happens in a moment. Now the pain, you may need some gradual healing for the pain, but the sin is gone. And then I'd ask you to confess your unbelief. Unbelief in the, in the miracles of God. I mean, can we just confess that we struggle with this idea of healing? I just struggle. Is this real? Can God move in this way? Can I, can I confess that to God this morning? God, help my unbelief. In Mark chapter 6, verse 5, and because of their unbelief, Jesus couldn't do any miracles among them. I don't want that to happen here today. Because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their unbelief. I don't want God to be amazed at our unbelief. Can we confess, God, I struggle with my belief. Help me to believe. When Aaron, our son, was four years old, it was our custom, Lynn and I, to pray with both Ashley and Aaron before they went to bed and went to sleep. And I was laying beside Aaron one night, and I had this really bad um, wart on my right thumb. You know, as a pastor, you don't have a, need to have a wart on your right thumb. It was gross, and it stuck out. It bled. And I was treating it. I was putting compound W on it, you know, pouring that stuff on there, trying to get it to go away, and nothing was getting better. And I was saying prayers with Aaron, and he grabbed hold of my thumb. He says, Dad, he said, why don't you ask Jesus to make that go away? I go, I'm using compound W, you know. I'm, I'm doing the medicinal thing here. And so I said, Aaron, won't you ask Jesus to take it away? And so Aaron put his hand on my thumb and, and asked Jesus to take that ugly wart away from Dad's thumb. I got to confess to you, I had my doubts. But the next morning, my wart was gone. And I'd never had another wart anywhere. Thank, thank, thank the Lord for that. It was an absolute healing, you know, it was gone, you know, out of my system. Confess your unbelief, and then if you would, confess your belief. Confess your belief. God is a powerful God, Jehovah Rapha. Now, like me, I never forgot that little miracle. It wasn't a big miracle in the scheme of cancer or heart disease or diabetes, but it was real to me. And it was certainly real to Aaron. 
I would just ask for a moment, if you've experienced the power of God in your life to bring some sort of healing to you, whether it was a physical healing, a spiritual healing, an emotional healing, a, a relationship healing, I would just ask you all across the room, would you stand? If you felt the power of God move in your life, would you stand? Confess your belief. Amen? Look, look around. Isn't it amazing? All across this room, people have felt the power of God. And I want you to see this because you can know that today too. I don't know what God's going to do for you, but I believe that our God has a power to heal. Father God, we confess this morning that we're sinners. And we ask you to forgive us. We ask you to cleanse us and to make us right with you. Father God, I pray you prepare our hearts and give us belief, not in a person, not in a pastor, not in some words, but in Jesus, who has the power to, to make people whole, to, to deliver from addictions, to set people free. I pray you do that now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated.